0: Thank you all for tuning into the Your Edge podcast. I'm Therese Van Ryn, Senior Director of External Communications at Zebra Technologies, and I can't believe it's only been one year since Zebra acquired Fetch Robotics. When I saw our autonomous mobile robots in action at the Automate show in Detroit earlier this month, I was blown away. Our booth attendees' enthusiasm reinforced that we're onto something something big when we started mapping out our automation vision and evangelizing robotics. So we thought it's a great time to check in with world-renowned robot ninja Melanie Wise and our own Jim Lawton, who heads up Zebra's robotics automation business and is on a mission to change the world's view about robots. Thank you both so much for sitting back down with me today. Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Glad to be here.
0: Excellent. I'd like to start out by asking in your honest opinion how are Zebra and Fetch better together? Both companies were considered leaders in the automation industry prior to the acquisition. So how have you found these capabilities strengthened in the last 12 months?
2: Yeah, I'm um super excited about what we've been able to accomplish over the last, you know, many months, you know, working closely together. What, what got me super excited was um bringing together two you know, world-class, highly capable teams that were both focused on, you know, one purpose, one mission, which is, you know, how do we help um, manufacturers and warehouse operators drive better business performance? And so um, we had a lot of expertise inside the Zebra Robotics Organization. There was a lot of expertise inside the Fetch uh, Robotics Organization. And what we were able to do is bring those two together and 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 it was magic. It was a group of people um, that very similar um, ways of working. We had very similar cultures. um, And as I said, really committed and focused on, you know, delivering that customer mission. And so one of the things that we've been able to do is um, leverage the strength of both teams, um, but also accelerate our product roadmap. Um, The feedback that we've been getting from our customers is that the solutions that we're bringing to market are really hitting the markets, the kinds of, things that they need in order to be able to um, meet their end customer expectations and uh, be competitive in the market and so the faster we can bring this capability you know to market the better and so really by bringing the two teams together we've been able to um, accelerate um, bring together expertise and, uh, and and allow us to serve more customers more quickly.
1: Yeah and I would I would also like to add that you know when you when you look at it as a as a small scrappy startup one of the things that that Fetch struggled with in terms of growing our business was uh being able to reach out to a a larger group of customers and and help them understand you know what our capabilities are and you know now that we're part of Zebra I think that the the scale of the the sales team and the support team have really helped bring our our ability to interact with and engage with customers to the next level and that's been super exciting to see how much further we can engage and help people understand what the technology is and, and bring all of the, the great things that Jim's been talking about to market, which, you know, has always and it's always a struggle for for small startups. But, you know, now that we're part of a larger brand and company like Zebra, we're we're able to to reach those customers and engage at a, an all new level. Mm mm-hmm
0: what are some examples of things that you or your teens have been able to do with the joint resources that perhaps wouldn't have been possible flying solo
1: yeah i think that that when you when you look at it we've been able to do a lot more around um, looking at what's going on in, in the in the wider startup space um, especially with with collaboration with some of the the venture arm of, of zebra for example and and also we've been able to to accelerate development in um, uh, especially using you know different types of um, resources within the Zebra family for connecting to the devices and and other capabilities within the Zebra portfolio.
2: Yeah, I w- I would really echo that. I think the the real one of the real opportunities that we've been able to you know to to seize upon and to leverage is um, bringing together um, the capabilities has allowed us to go after. Partnership opportunities and venture opportunities uh, even more aggressively. You know, we recognize that the solutions that our customers are looking for are going to be comprised of technologies and capabilities and products and devices um, that um, you know that, that come from a variety of sources. And so, you know, Zebra develops you know, some of the best um, uh, products in the world and has some amazing capabilities. Um, But as much as we have, we know we're not going to do this alone. And so, you know, looking at, you know, other technologies that are being developed um, uh, among many of the startups that Melanie just described and looking at ways that the technologies can be brought together uh, to solve, you know, very specific, you know, targeted customer applications. And so, um, as a result of our sort of, you know, breadth of capability and and depth of capability, we can really go after those, um, you know, even more so. And so, being able to do that jointly um, rather than independently has been been really exciting.
0: Mm -hmm. That's very important. Can you both talk a bit about the key milestones that your teams have been able to hit this past year, either from a technology development or an industry acceptance perspective?
2: Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, um, that was, um, really a great milestone for us was, um, we did the, um, acquisition in the, in the latter part of the summer. So Fetch and Zebra, you know, formally came together in October. Um, we publicly announced for the first time a fulfillment solution, uh, for warehousing and uh, distribution and logistics. So a robot guided zone based each picking solution that's really hitting on a, need that customers have to be able to drive you know greater productivity greater throughput uh lower cost per pick greater accuracy so that when customers order they get what they expect they're going to order and they get it uh, as quickly as they can and so um that fulfillment solution we um, publicly shared with the world back in october and then within the first 90 days you know we deployed the first customer uh using that solution and so um it's it's um always rewarding to be able to develop and use you know uh, technology to create products. But I would say it's even more rewarding when you're actually able to see them live um, in production, delivering value for customers um, and then the appreciation um, and recognition that the customers provide that you know we really are helping them you know be more competitive and meet you know meet their customer expectations. So um, launching that product, deploying it for the first time. Um, More generally, and and you mentioned uh, Automate and and Modex a little bit earlier, you know, the the reception, you know, and and the interest has just been, you know, phenomenal. I mean, we're very pleased with um, the way people are receiving this new product. And again, it's so rewarding to be able to, you know, develop solutions that, you know, customers really get value from.
1: Yeah, and I would say from a, a more a more nerdy tech side, um, I think that some of the exciting things about that solution that Jim was just talking about is, is we were able to execute on on a, a pretty long term effort around social behaviors within the robots that enable the robots to act more intelligently inside the warehouse. To increase their performance and and in some scenarios, um, in the kind of scenarios that Jim is talking about, the the collaborative uh, e-commerce each picking, we saw an improvement in the performance of the robot in terms of its speed and ability to to get its tasks done of almost 54%. And so this is this directly translates to to value to the customer, um, but it it also just shows the the amazing technology that we're developing, and customers have had huge uh, positive responses to the the technology that we developed. They feel that the robots are are uh more com- like comfortable for them to work around and they they have a greater understanding of what they think the robots are going to do as they're working side by side with them and so it's it's enabling increased performance and better acceptance of the technology um, in in the warehouse with the workers and so we're super excited about that after after a good amount of work from the team mhm
0: Jim, I know you had a vision for Zebra as well as the robotics industry as a whole when the decision was made to acquire Fetch. How has this vision come to life? What do you see as the next frontier for the business and the industry at large?
2: Yeah, so I, I, I've i been on a mission, and that that mission has been, you know, how do we make robots and, and automation more accessible to more people, um, and and it, it's great, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, to develop technology that's really you know, cool and, and powerful. But, but ultimately, um, the real value gets created when people use it. And so the more people, the more companies that are able to leverage robots, uh, the more value we're going to be able to create for the world um, and the more um, uh, enjoyment we're going to be able to create for the human workers that these robots are working side by side. And so there are specific targeted investments that we've made to make the robots easier to use, um, easier to deploy. Um, instead of put, putting so much of the engineering responsibility on our customers, in a lot of cases, we can bring that into the product and allow the product to be one that um, you, you take it out of the box and it just it just works. Um, and so things like um, you know, the social behaviors that Melanie just described, um, workflow builder, um, allowing the robot to control other things inside a warehouse or inside a manufacturing environment. These are all things that we've done and are continuing to work on to allow um, companies to be able to access this technology. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a large company in the automotive space. It can be companies in other industries. It can be um, uh, smaller and mid-sized companies that maybe don't have you know, large teams of people that are deeply steeped in robotics, uh, you know, technology. And so that 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 accessibility is really the piece that, you know, we've made a lot of progress already, um, but as an industry, I know we're going to continue to make a lot more going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. And Melanie, one for you. I know you're very active with global steering committees tied to regulatory safety and cooperative innovation initiatives. Can you talk with us a little bit about the issues on people's minds right now regarding industrial robots or AMRs in particular?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the focus right now from a a safety and regulatory perspective is is how do we get um, more standards out in the world that kind of help to regulate the safety of this of the This kind of technology and the new technology that we're building Um, right now uh, from a a standards perspective, we're continuing to work on ANSI RIA 1508 um, and that. That standard, uh, we're working on part two of that standard, which helps integrators understand what to do in, in the real world as they're deploying these, this robot technology. Um, and, and that's that's a big next step in terms of the standard creation. You know, in 2020, we released part one, which was kind of a, a standard that governed the, the, the regulations or the requirements for manufacturers. And we're excited to move forward with that standard, but I think that the this technology is getting more of a, a global, more global attention, and and I think that that's because the plur proliferation of this technology is is growing very rapidly um, as as jim and i've been talking so far on this podcast you know the adoption of the technology is is going growing very rapidly and so we we as a as a standards uh, community are are focused on making sure that as this technology gets out into the world it's safe to work with Mm-hmm You're both
0: frequently on the front lines, talking to customers in manufacturing, warehousing, logistics, and even healthcare and government sectors quite a bit. How are they feeling about robots? In our latest warehousing vision study, operators indicated they see the value of AMRs. I believe about 90% said they plan to use AMRs in some way within the next five years. But are the decision makers you're speaking with directly on board with introducing robots into their operations? Is it only a matter of time before AMRs are as prevalent as human workers, for example?
1: Yeah, I think that when you when you look at what we're hearing from the front lines, we're, we're still in the beginning of a transition period into I or out of a transition period of I want robots, but I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Into I want robots, and this is exactly what I want them for. And this is this is the transition of of any of any technology through its hype cycle in many ways. You know, over the last five to seven years, you know, AMRs have have been a, a relatively nascent technology that everyone AMRs have you know that everyone wants in their facility, but they can't really say to you why do we want amrs um but now as as mounting pressure has been growing over the last couple of years especially with uh covid on on workforce uh challenges and things like that there's a really specific and strong need that people can point to where they have labor shortages and amrs are are part of that value proposition for reducing the pressure on labor shortage. And I I think that now that people have a great understanding of why they need robots, and they're starting to think very carefully on where they can use them within their operations, I think that you will see it's only a matter of time that, that AMRs will be Everywhere in the warehouse and they may not be as prevalent as human workers, but they they will be getting pretty close to
2: that point. Yeah, I I, I agree completely. I, I really do think it is only a matter of time. I mean, today there are tens of thousands of robots uh, of this type that are being used. Um, estimates vary, but there will be millions of these robots. And so, um, we are, we are starting to see that transition. Now, one of the ways that I'm seeing it is in the form of, um, companies uh, buying, you know, ones and fives, tens and twenties, starting to buy, you know, hundreds and thousands of robots. And so we're rapidly picking up the pace in terms of the adoption rate of these kinds of AMRs and, and, and robotics. So that, that transition is very much underway and, um, and i think it's only going to accelerate over the next couple of years. Mhm,
0: very exciting. Are there any misperceptions about robots or perhaps fear of the unknown that are still creating some reluctance around mobile robots?
1: Yeah, i think with it when you look at at kind of mobile robots and and a lot of the the fear that we hear about in the news, um, you know, people always talk about robots taking jobs, but The underlying misperception about robots or or the fear that people have is that they in general are not sure if they're qualified to work um, with robots, especially AMRs, um, because it's such a new technology. But I I think that when you when you look at it, you know, Fetch Zebra have taken the initiative to to invest a lot of time and effort into the usability of the technology to help reduce the barrier to entry and make it easier for people to use our technology. And I I think that that we're we're slowly getting through some of this fear or reluctance that that, you know, people have around this new technology. And and this is the same reluctance everyone has around new technology. But I, I think that we're, we're getting through it. And, and a lot of it comes with with training and just experience with the technology, as, as it did in the automotive industry when large welding robots were introduced. And so I, I think that we're just in a, a period in which people haven't had enough experience, and they're just concerned on whether they – you know, are trained or have the background to work with the robots, but you know we've really focused on that, and I, I think that these are things that we'll be able to tackle going forward to help people understand that their new co their new robot coworker is there to help them.
0: Right. That could be a reason why it was standing room only at so so many of the speaking engagements at Automate, right? People want to learn, they want to understand, and and uh, see the value there. So that's amazing. What is going to be the tipping point for AMR adoption or automation as a whole, Jim?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I think that tipping point is here. I mean, it's really, can customers, as Melanie just described, see value in the technology, and can they see a clear path that's um, never risk-free, but um, risks can get mitigated, mitigated to taking advantage of that technology to create that value. And I think, I think we're at that point now. I, I would offer a couple of data points. Um, one is that I'm increasingly seeing with the customers that I talk to is that historically, and I've been in the tech space now almost my entire career, um, when, when new technology gets formed, people are skeptical because they have a lot of people pitch them. I'm going to create this thing for you, and it's going to save you all of this money, or it's create all of this revenue. Um, and not all technology, you know, delivers on those expectations. So there is many times skepticism, and so people want to do, you know, careful evaluations and proof of concepts and in lab experimentations. One of the things that I'm seeing now is that many of the companies that we're talking to are bypassing you know, sort of the traditional POC or proof of concept, and they're going right to a phase one uh, deployment. Um, And I I believe that's, you know, evidence that they see the value in the technology, they see the path that allows them to be able to take advantage of it, and they know that they want and and need, in many cases, to be on that path. Um, the, The second data point that I would share is you know, here at Zebra, we recently um, evaluated our own needs and from a a 3PL and, you know, a distribution perspective. And so we put together an RFP and had a number of um, uh, 3PLs provide us proposals uh, for how they would like to serve those needs. 100% of those proposals included the kinds of automation that we're talking about. And so I think for many of the companies that are that are in this industry, they no longer see this as a nice-to-have. They see this as a must-have. And I believe that is what's driving sort of the level of interest that we're seeing right now in uh, AMR utilization, AMR technology.
0: Mm-hmm. You talked about drivers. That was my next question. What is driving customers to call Zebra today to talk about working with us to deploy AMRs?
2: Sure, yeah. So, the I mean, the, the two key drivers, the, the big one – um, and we've touched on it a couple of times on this podcast is labor. Um, there There isn't enough of it um, and uh, and it's impacting um, companies' ability to meet their own customer expectations, the ability to execute on their own business plans. And so um, labor, attraction, labor, retention um, are are critical uh, for many industries, and it's become so hard, and that problem is projected, you know to get worse, not better. Um, I was talking with one customer not too long ago that leverages uh, temporary labor um, because they are finding a difficult time hiring enough full-time employees. And so each week they bring on board, a, you know, another handful of um, temporary workers. And, and what the person um, who's running the operation shared with me is, you know, every Monday morning at 6 a.m. they start um, and by noon, 50 percent of them have quit. And so, in a lot of cases, companies are struggling to keep people in these roles. I mean, if you think about the 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 daily life of a picker inside a warehouse, um, it is very stressful, and there's a lot of walking involved. and um, and uh, on a, a recent study I saw of interest of Gen Z um, workers, um working in a manufacturing environment, working in a warehouse is down in the one to three percent range um and so people um are in many cases not interested people don't um, you know come out of high school or come out of college saying you know I want to be a picker in a warehouse and so so the labor challenge is front and center for every single one of our customers um anybody in this space is really struggling um you know with labor the second i would say which is um in part largely impacted by all of us on this podcast is the e-commerce transformation Um, What I sometimes like to refer to as the Amazonification of the market, you know, we have come to expect, um, you know, what we want, when we want it. Um, But in the past, that was tempered by, you know, if I was ordering from a physical catalog and sending in a physical order, you know, that may be days and weeks before I get what I'm looking for. Um, Over the last several years, we've expected to be able to get what we want you know, in a couple of hours and then next day. And then what do you mean it's not going to be here this afternoon? And so that trend was already underway. And then as a result of the pandemic, um, studies have suggested that that's been accelerated even more, perhaps by as much as five to seven years. Um, And so many of our customers, many warehouse and logistics providers and manufacturers are struggling to figure out how do they become successful? How do they meet the expectations that their customers now have and still do it in a cost-effective way Um, and so many of them as a result are turning toward technology to help them do more with less Um, i firmly believe we're going to see and are in the middle of seeing a the the creation of you know a warehouse 2.0 where, you know, warehouses are going to operate in profoundly different ways going forward um, than they have in the past. Um, and they will use different processes, they will use different technologies, um, and in many cases, they're going to use AMRs. Um, and so I think those are the, those are the two really big drivers that are, um, uh, that, that are creating all of this interest that we're seeing right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Looking into the future, what's on the roadmap for the next 12 months and where will each of you be focusing?
2: Yeah, so the the way that we think about um, what we're bringing to market and the way that we help our customers is by um, creating solutions that solve specific problems or um, creating applications, if you will, that leverage robots. And so the one that we introduced in the fall that I referenced earlier um, is an example of a you know, each picking application, it's a specific solution to a specific problem. A lot of our roadmap is on expanding the capabilities that we have with the solutions that we already have on the market, as well as designing and creating um, new applications, new solutions. So you'll see us expand each picking into uh, replenishment, into returns, into sortation. What What our customers are looking for is to automate more and more of the warehouse operations so that they get um, more and more benefit of the technology across the entire warehouse and not just within a specific workflow so our roadmap over the next 12 months is um, uh, heavily driven by creating the applications that customers need in other areas for other workflows um, in addition to the ones that we've done already
1: Yeah, And and on the flip side of that, from a more of a technology perspective, as we as we look into the future, you know, we're we're excited to focus on, you know, bringing more value to the customer um, through some of the things that I was talking about earlier, like social uh, behaviors of the robots. Um, better integration with, um, you know, other Zebra technology like hand scanners, printers, RFID and things like that. But also we're really looking towards the future and we're actually starting uh, the the formation of an advanced robotics group that will focus on these two to five year horizon activities that really look at new and interesting areas or extensions of our current platform into to areas like mobile manipulation, where not only does the robot drive around the facility, but it has the ability to, to start manipulating the world and prote- providing more um, capabilities for value-added tasks that we see within inside the four walls of the warehouse or manufacturing facility.
0: Mm-hmm. Very exciting. I know there's a lot of excitement across Zebra about the ability to make AMRs part of a larger automation or workforce augmentation solutions to really illuminate the synergies between robotics, RFID, machine vision, mobile computing and even printing platforms. Melanie, can you talk about how you see some of these more holistic solutions shaping up within the supply chain workflows?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think that when you when you look at at The the synergies between Zebra uh, and Fetch, you know, as we as we started, but now as we've become better together in one company, you know, a lot of that has to do with how we create very seamless end to end solutions that that in many ways feel like magic to the customer. Um, where we're able to orchestrate all of the technology as part of one solution and process. So this means um, if you have the WMS uh, give a command to the robot to pick up a cart, that as the cart arrives at a packout station, the, the robot is asking a printer to print the labels and then the, the, Uh, Hand scanners or heads up display that the person is wearing basically helps them unpack the cart and put those 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 parcels or or objects into um, containers for pack out or the next process. And I think that that all of that orchestration helps to create, you know, a, a more trackable and traceable world that enables us to to really start focusing on where we're seeing loss as part of an end-to-end process and help improve the overall throughput of that process so that we can achieve the the outcomes that our customers are looking for. And so we're super excited to create a larger ecosystem of these agents for automation that, that we believe will um, provide larger and larger value to the customer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Jim, though Zebra's current robotics automation portfolio is primarily comprised of AMRs, do you see that changing over time through continued organic and inorganic growth? Are there opportunities for us to strengthen the value proposition for customers by adding mobile manipulators into the mix, for example?
2: Yes, yes, I, I do see that changing. So we always start with you know, what do customers need? Um, and what are they trying to do in their operations? And then what are the ways that we may be able to help them do that? What are the ways that we may be able to create value in what it is they're looking to do um, strategically? What they're looking to do, you know, for their customers? And, and we absolutely look uh, both from an organic perspective and from an inorganic perspective. You know, people sometimes ask me, well, is Zebra going to build, buy, or partner? And my answer is yes. <laughs> and we're going to build. We're going to buy. We're going to partner. And we're and we're we've done all of those before. We're going to continue to do those. Um, we're evaluating um, technologies. We're evaluating specific needs. We're evaluating our opportunity to create something um, that can create you know value for the end customer. Um, and then we look at what is the you know the best way. Um, you know, to go about doing that? How do we bring that capability to our customers? And so whether it's um, mobile manipulation, uh, which is a great example, other software capability, other hardware capability, um, we look at um, ways that the the technology can be used to, you know, to create value. Um, And then, you know, should we build it on our own? Should we partner with some of the leading edge providers um, or should we acquire the technology? Um, And as I said, we've we've done all in the past and and we're definitely going to continue to do all of them uh, going forward.
0: Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Well, before I let you go, I'm curious what excites you most about robotics automation right now. I know there's so much to choose from. It might be hard to narrow it down, but is there something you're working on that energizes you every day right now? Melanie, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, I think that when we when we look at what we're working on today, I think the thing that's really getting me excited and and energized is just the ability to make all of these different technologies work synergistically with each other and and build them into a larger solution that that goes beyond just the autonomous mobile robots and and that's that's just been a huge proof point going going forward and and seeing our customers starting to do this expansion that and 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 some of the tools that we're building today that that makes it easy for our customers to to build the solution and the vision for what they want as part of our platform you know we've built a a a strong foundation with our cloud robotics platform that allows us to connect into these different parts of of the process and it's it's Extremely gratifying to see our customers, you know, utilize those tool sets to build the processes and workflows that they want out of the box. And I'm I'm super excited to extend that capability and enable our customers to go further with the technology.
2: Yeah, I, I, and I I I would echo exactly what what Melanie just described. I mean, I, I've been. And spent really my whole career at this intersection of technology and business, and how can how can I help create you know real sustained value for customers leveraging technology? Um, in many cases, the result of that is you know, can be measured in in business terms, and financial terms, and so the, the 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 intersection of those is really the kinds of places where I like to spend my time. And so if you think about Um, robots and and AMRs um, over, you know, historically, um, it's been either, you know, technology for geeks, you know, the tech people love sort of the technology and what it can do, um, or or the business people have really seen it as a, you know, an intellectual curiosity. Wow, that's interesting. um, You know, I wonder what we might, you know, what we might do with that. And so that's where we've been. That's not where we are. Um, mm-hmm. Where we are now is that people see, understand, appreciate, um, and realize that the robots are now vital um, to, to create the value that's going to allow them to be competitive. It's going to allow them to meet end customer expectations. And so we are at a point now where warehouses and manufacturers know that they need to automate. Um, and 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 Zebra is here to help. And I think we're extraordinarily well positioned as a result of the investments that we've made internally and with the fetch team. Um, and so the ability to bring those together—that—that that is what is what really excites me every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Incredible. Well, I'll let you both go so you can get back to making the world a better place. I personally appreciate all you are both doing to drive the positive contributions robots are providing to millions of frontline workers. Anything we can do to make their jobs easier and more satisfying is worth the hard work happening behind the scenes among engineering, design, strategy, and IT teams and beyond. Thank you both so much for being here.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you. It's been a great discussion.
0: Let's regroup later this year to get an update on how things are going and what customers can expect from Zebra next year with regards to robotics automation innovation. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. If you have questions for Jim and Melanie, check out the Your Edge blog for information on how to contact them directly. And I highly encourage you to subscribe to the blog and podcast if you haven't already so that you can get breakthrough. Use alerts, and best practice advice from all our automation experts in near real time. There's a subscribe button in the right-hand column of every blog page. I'm Therese Van Rijn, signing off until next time.